Well, today we're concluding our message series, which we've called Bond Servant. In this series, we're looking at different ways that we can grow as bond servants of Jesus Christ. The last few weeks, we've looked at the images of a runner, the images of a builder, and the image of a warrior, all of these as metaphors of being a bond servant. Today, we're going to be talking about becoming a servant itself. We're going to look at what, what does it mean to become a servant of Jesus Christ. I want to go back to the very first message in the series in which we talked about what the word in our Bible servant really means. The Greek word that's translated servant in our translations, in most translations, is the Greek word doulos. And actually, doulos means slave, not servant. You see, there's a difference between someone simply waiting your table at a restaurant. That's a servant. A slave is someone who doesn't just serve you. A slave is someone who is owned by a master. And that is the sense in which servant or doulos is used in the New Testament. A doulos is the property of his master. And so for believers, we are slaves. We are slaves of Jesus Christ. He owns us. We are his. And he commands us what to do in our lives. And so this morning I'm going to be using the word servant, but I want you to understand that behind that word is the concept of we are slaves of Jesus Christ. Now, not, not only does a servant serve his master, a servant also serves his master's household. And the servant serves whoever his master instructs him to serve. And so, as believers, not only are we to serve our master, Jesus Christ, we're to serve his household, which is his church, which is his family. God has set us as believers free from sin, so that we can serve others with our lives. Galatians 5.13, I encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the scriptures written out. They're also here on the monitors and the outline. On the back of the sheet is a study guide, some questions that you can dig in more deeply to, to get your thought process going about the message this morning and questions that you can answer. Oftentimes we use those questions in our life groups, but you also can use them on your own. In fact, it'd be great. We had uh, people coming to our life group last week who had all the questions filled out. Now, I won't name names. You know who you are. Uh, but that was great. So take uh, a pat on the back for that. <clears throat> so our freedom, uh, Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather... You can underline this phrase, serve one another in love. God set us free, not so that we could do whatever we want to do. That's what the world says freedom is, do whatever you want. We are set free to serve others in the love of Jesus Christ. So each believer is to serve one another. And so today we're going to be looking at an example of Jesus teaching us what it means to be a servant. Jesus taught us that a servant can also be a leader. Jesus came to this earth to serve, but obviously he is also a leader as well. A true leader is a servant to those that he leads. Mark 9.35 says, Jesus said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be very last and the servant of all. 
And so Jesus taught us that the path to leadership in the kingdom of God is the opposite of leadership in the kingdom of the world. In the kingdom of the world, people claw to be at the top. In the kingdom of God, those who serve the most are those that, in fact, lead. Leadership in the kingdom of God comes through serving others. The passage we're going to be looking at this morning is found in John chapter 13. Let's begin reading in verse 1. Just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Now this passage in John chapter 13 takes place on the very last day of Jesus' life. The last day before the crucifixion. Jesus knew that his time on earth was short. And when you know that your time on earth is short, what you say is very important. And so the words of Jesus here are very important. This was one of the final teachings that he gave to his disciples, both in word and by examples. By example. So he taught his disciples that to show our love to others is done through serving, through being a servant. And so today we're going to address the question, how can we serve like Jesus? First of all, we need to know who we are in Christ. To know who God has made us to be, who God has created us to be. Sometimes we're, we're tempted to think that serving somebody else is demeaning. It's beneath us. How could we stoop to serve somebody else? I should be in charge, not serving other people. And yet, when we understand God's purpose for us, we see that that's who God created us to be. To serve one another. To serve others. Serving is the path to true influence and leadership in the kingdom of God. We need to know where our power comes from, our power in life. Continue reading in John chapter 13, verse 3. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Now again, this is the day before Jesus was crucified. So he knew that his time on earth was coming to an end. He knew he was going to die in the next day. But he also knew that God had given power to him. He knew that after three days in the tomb, he would be raised from the dead. Forty days later, he would ascend into heaven. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But God had given him all power. He had the power to teach the word of God, the power to heal the sick, the power to serve his disciples. He was secure in knowing where his power and authority was coming from, from God himself. And in the same way, our power in life, does not reside within ourselves. We don't serve others in our own strength. We serve others with the power that God gives to us, the power that God transmits in and through our lives. And so God has imparted his authority, his power to believers so that we can carry out his commands and serve others with our lives. Not only do we need to know where our power comes from, we must know where our destiny lies. Verse 3 continues and says, Jesus knew that he had come from God and was returning to God. You see, Jesus existed in heaven with his Father before the earth was created. He ruled and reigned the universe from heaven. And 2,000 years ago, he made a choice to become a servant, to come down to this earth, take on human flesh, while remaining fully God, being fully God and yet fully human, and 
serve humanity so that he could save us from our sins, so that he could save us from the destruction that we were all headed to. And so Jesus knew where he had come from. And he knew that after, his resurre- after he was crucified, he would rise from the dead and 40 days later ascend back into heaven to be with his Father where he remains today. And he remains in heaven until he comes again to take us to himself. Jesus knew where his destiny was. And in the same way, we as believers, we realize that God, it was God himself who caused us to be born again. It was God himself who caused us to have new life. We're his children. And one day, we are going to spend, we are going to transition from this life into the next, into a life of eternal, of eternity in heaven, and be with God forever and ever. And so, knowing that, we are free to serve others on this earth. We are free to serve in the power of the Lord, serving others in the knowledge of who we are, where we've come from, and where we're going. So what did Jesus do in verse 4? He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, normally in Jesus' time, a servant would have done that for everybody. A servant, a slave in the household would have come out, and the guests at the dinner would have all had their feet washed by this servant. But apparently there was no servant available, and nobody had done anything at all. Despite the fact that oftentimes disciples would wash their master's feet. But the disciples didn't want to do it, or hadn't thought of it, or everybody's feet was still dirty. And so Jesus, looking around, saw a lot of dirty feet, and decided to do something about it. Now, of course, he was teaching a lesson, not just washing dirty feet. He was secure in knowing who he was. He lowered himself, as he lowered himself to come from heaven to earth, he lowered himself even further, and took a towel, took water, and washed, began to wash the disciples' feet, serving his disciples. Now, what attitudes prevent us from serving others as Jesus did? You know, we might think that certain things are beneath us. I, well, I couldn't possibly do that. I'm too important to do such a thing. That's a servant's job. I'm not going to do that. We were created to do much more important things, but did Jesus do important things? He created the universe, and yet he stooped to wash his disciples' feet, serving in the most menial ways imaginable. And so serving others, serving others in love does not preclude us being used in other forms of ministry. It does not preclude us being used in leadership. Jesus is a classic example of a servant leader, a leader who serves, a leader who serves by example. So some people think certain tasks are beneath him. Others have too low a view of themselves. And they think they have nothing to offer. Well, I couldn't possibly do that. I, I couldn't wash feet. I've, I've never done that before. You know, I wouldn't know to start with the big toe or the little toe. You know, I've, I, I just haven't had any training in washing feet or 
you know, I might splash the water and what would people think if I spilled the basin? But I'm not sure I know how to dry the feet with a towel. And so maybe if I got some more training and went to college to learn to wash feet, I, I could do it. But right now, it's, I just can't. But God gives each believer opportunities to serve others, to step out in faith, to do things you've never done before, and show your love for others. And as you do, you learn. You learn how to wash feet or whatever God calls you to do, knowing who you are in Christ and who he has created you to, to be and the things he's called you to do. In order to be a servant, you must allow Jesus, first of all, to serve you. And so Jesus, it says, whoops, it says, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. And so Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. He comes to Simon Peter. And what do you think was going through Simon's mind, Peter's mind at this point? Perhaps he thought, oh boy, I should have washed Jesus' feet. Now, now I missed my chance and now he's going to wash mine. This is just backwards. I'm embarrassed. I don't, you know, I don't want this to happen. Most likely, Peter knew that a master should never wash his disciples' feet. It's just, it just wasn't done that way. And Jesus knew Peter didn't understand what was going on. He didn't understand this was about a whole lot more than simply washing dirty feet. But Jesus also knew the Holy Spirit would bring Peter understanding in the future of the implications of what Jesus had done. And so in order to serve others, we must allow Jesus to serve us. And we're going to talk more about what that means in a minute. We mustn't think that we don't need Jesus, that we don't need him. Verse 8, no, said Peter. Is that a good thing to say to Jesus? <laughs> you know, Peter, Peter often says things that shouldn't be said. So we learn from Peter what not to do. So Jesus tells him to do something. Peter says no. Well, Peter's going to be a fun guy to talk to in heaven. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus calmly answered and said, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. So instant reversal in Peter's attitude. So first of all, Peter is obstinate. No, don't wash my feet. That's not done. That's not right. You don't know what you're doing, Jesus. And then Jesus said, well, if you want to have a relationship with me, you must let me do this. Oh, if that's what you mean, yeah, just wash every part of me. I, I want to be with you, Jesus. And so the light begins to dawn on Peter. And he responds by inviting Jesus to wash whatever he wants to wash. Peter needed Jesus to wash his feet. Why? Just because he had dirty feet? No, it was much more than that. Jesus washing Peter's feet in essence, represents a forgiveness, a cleansing. Jesus is going to make that clear in the next verse. We need to accept Jesus' forgiveness daily. Verse 10, Jesus answered. He answered Peter, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. And we didn't read all the verses here. There was another person here named Judas. And Jesus already knew what Judas was going to do. 
And was Judas clean? Had he been forgiven of his sin? No, he had not. And so Judas was the one that was not clean. And so when a person is born again, when a person becomes a believer, when a person becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, they repent of their sins and they are forgiven. They are clean in God's eyes. And so let me reiterate how one is saved because there's a lot of false teaching about this. You must repent of your sin in order to be saved. You must turn away from this sin that you're knowingly engaged in so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be made, pl made clean. And so repent means agreeing with God's word. If God's word calls something sin, I agree with God's word. I admit it's wrong. I turn away from it. And I seek to follow Jesus Christ. There can be no salvation without repentance and the resultant cleansing of Jesus in our lives. And so once a person is saved, the Bible says we still sin. We still sin from time to time. It's not a lifestyle. It's not something we blatantly, I'm going to sin, I'm going to keep on doing this. No, it's, it's something that we fall into inadvertently from time to time. In Jesus' example, it is as if our feet get dirty. We're clean, but we walk through this world and we stir up some dust. We stir up a little dust and somebody says something mean to us and what do we do? We say something mean back. We got a little dirt on our big toe then. And we keep walking along, and we get a little more dirt. We get angry at somebody, and we think we'd like to bop them in the nose. We don't say anything, but we had this wicked thought. That's a little more dirt on our feet that we need to get cleansed on a daily basis. We need Jesus to wash our feet. And so Jesus served us. He laid down his life on the cross that we might be forgiven, cleansed, born again, and repeatedly forgiven as we walk through life. And so, given the ability to serve others. So let's think for a minute, why do we need to be cleansed in order to serve others? Well, first of all, we need to have the humility to admit our own sins and to repent. If anybody goes through life and thinks they're a perfect person, they never sin, they're saved and they're above sin, that person really isn't fit to serve others. They have an issue with pride. They have an issue with understanding God's word. But when we recognize our own sins, when we repent on a daily basis and allow Jesus to forgive us, to cleanse us, it keeps us from pride. It helps us to be humble so that we can stoop to, as it were, wash others' feet. Secondly, when we allow Jesus to cleanse us, we make ourselves available to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be energized to serve others. Sin in our lives quenches the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need daily cleansing, daily forgiveness. And as we allow Jesus to serve us through forgiveness, we prepare ourselves to serve others. Let's look a little more closely how we can follow Jesus' example of service. The story continues in verse 12. When he, that speaking of Jesus, had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And so Jesus asked his disciples, do you really understand what I have done? Because it was much more than just giving them clean feet. 
He wanted his disciples to understand the spiritual significance of what he had done. Here he was their teacher. Here he was Lord of all. He was their master and he was serving the disciples that he led. In other words, no one is above serving others. Each one of us has a responsibility to serve one another. What does it mean to serve? Serving is meeting the needs of those you lead. Verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And so in Jesus' day, washing somebody's feet was a typical task that a servant in the household did. It was a, a way of meeting the ordinary, everyday needs of somebody in that day and time. Jesus tells his disciples that they should follow his example. They should serve the needs of others. They should serve the needs of each other. They should serve the needs of those that they lead in the future. God called them as apostles to lead uh, people in the church, but they should still be servants. I might add that down through church history, a small minority of churches have taken Jesus' words literally here. And they practice foot washing as a third ordinance. The first two are baptism and communion that Jesus commanded that all churches should do on a regular basis. And some churches uh, put foot washing in the same class. But if we carefully read the book of Acts, which is really our, our guidebook, is how Jesus' teaching were, was implemented in the early church. We see no mention of foot washing. We see water baptism. We see the Lord's Supper. And both of those ordinances are given further instruction in the teachings of Paul. And so it's clear that the foot washing that Jesus is teaching here is symbolic of serving others. Now, lightning isn't going to come down from heaven if somebody washes somebody else's feet. Okay? But it's not an ordinance on the same level as baptism and communion. Jesus is speaking of serving one another. Not only are we to serve the needs of those we lead, we're to serve the needs of everybody, all that we meet. Verse 16, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying to his disciples that they as servants are not greater than Jesus, their master. And if he served, they should serve as well. If he stooped down to this menial servant's task, then they should be available to do the same as well. Serving is basically love in action. Serving is God showing his love through us as we serve others. And so Jesus closes his teaching with a promise. His promise is, you will be blessed if you do these things, if you serve one another in love. So where are we to serve? Well, the simple answer is everywhere we go. We're to serve everywhere we go. The first place we serve is in our families. Spouses are to serve one another. It's not just the wife serving the husband or the husband serving the wife. Both spouses are to serve each other. Parents are to serve children and children are to serve parents. Children are to serve each other. Now, does serving one another negate the teaching of God's word on spiritual authority in the home? No, not at all. Parents still lead their children even as they serve them. And just because parents, uh, children serve their parents doesn't mean that children are leading the parents. Parents lead the children, but 
both serve one another. How do we serve? We look for needs and meet them. It's pretty simple. What kind of needs? Well, it could be a spiritual need. It could be an emotional need. It could be a mental need. It could be a physical need. We look for needs and we meet them. And we serve not just to meet the need, but to meet the need and show love as we meet the need. Next place we serve is in our church family. To grow in becoming a servant, we need to move beyond just being concerned about our own needs and open our eyes to identify needs in those around us and seek to meet those needs. And so we don't just come to church to have our own needs met. We come to church to meet the needs of others as well. And according to Jesus' promise, when we serve, when we meet other people's needs, what happens? We're blessed. What does that mean? Our needs are met. God has a wonderful way as we serve others and meet their needs that our needs are met even better than if we simply strove to meet our needs on our own. How do we serve in the church? Well, there are many structured ways. Serving is encompassed in everything we do here. Being ushers, being on the church cleaning crew, it happens during the week, serving in children's ministry, serving on the worship team, helping with projects around the church. There's all kinds of things going on during the week, workday projects. We serve in church by being part of a life group and opening up ourselves to others in a smaller group, getting to know them and their needs more so that we can serve them, so that we can serve one another. We serve in church by taking time on Sundays to talk to people we don't know. Why would we want to talk to somebody we don't know? What's in it for us? Well, we're not looking for what's in it for us. We're looking for what's in it for them. We want to get to know them. We want to know what their needs are, how we can serve them, how we can help them. And finally, we serve everybody else, not just those in our family, not just those in the church family, everybody we meet, our workmates, our neighbors, our relatives, our friends. You know, it's serving a relative if you tell them about Jesus. They need to know about Jesus. Just because they go to church twice a year and believe in God doesn't mean they're okay. It's serving a workmate by offering to pray for a need they have. Has anybody ever come up to you in the workplace and complain about something? Grumble about something? What does that mean? That means there's a need. They have some kind of need. Offer to pray for it. That's serving them. That's serving a friend or neighbor by inviting them to church. By inviting them to Easter Sunday next week. They need to hear the Word of God. Following Jesus' example of being a servant. And so this morning, ask yourself the question, how can I wash somebody else's feet like Jesus? No, I'm not talking about pulling off their sneakers and Socks and scaring them and washing their feet. We don't do that. We don't do that today, do we? But how can I put someone else's need above my own? How can I discover their need and with God's help seek to meet that need? God wants to guide us in meeting the needs of those around us. It's a way that we can witness. It's a way that we can follow Jesus' example. And as we step out in faith to meet those needs, what does Jesus promise? He promises to bless us. Blessing is a good thing. 
I want to be blessed. It's not wrong to want to be blessed. But in order to be blessed, we need to obey. We need to follow what Jesus tells us to do. And so this morning, if you're not a believer this morning, if you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, here's how to become a follower of Jesus. We're going to pray a simple prayer in a minute, but here are the three steps. First of all, you need to admit that you've sinned. You need to admit that you've done wrong things. You need to agree with what God's Word says and say, yes, I'm guilty, that's me. Secondly, you need to believe that Jesus died to forgive you of your sins. That some way He took your sins, my sins, all of our sins upon Himself when He hung on that cross so that we could be forgiven. Three days later, He rose from the dead. Oh, we believe that. And finally, we need to commit ourselves to following Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior all the days of our lives. Let's just bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray. If you've never prayed that prayer before, or perhaps you have and you've wandered away from your commitment to Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to pray along with me as well. Recommit your life to Him. Father, this morning, I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I've done wrong things. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I believe that you've risen from the dead. You're alive today. And I commit my life to following you, to following your word all the days of my life. Thank you for coming into my life and making me a new creation. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we just thank you for giving us this example of Jesus Christ who humbled himself to serve by washing his disciples' feet. And we ask that you do the same for us as you did for the disciples, that you forgive our sins, that we accumulate as we walk through life and our feet get dirty. Please forgive us. Help us to follow Jesus' example by serving the needs of others all around us. Help us to have eyes to see those needs in the first place and then give us the ways, the opportunities, the power to meet those needs. Help us to show your love through our serving. Give us the courage, God, to invite friends and relatives uh, to church to hear about you, to church to attend Easter service next Sunday. And we pray that hearts would be touched and lives would be changed through the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.